Welcome to the Endpoints Podcast, presented by the ALS Therapy Development Institute. I'm Jonathan Gang. Recently, ALS TDI took an opportunity to reintroduce ourselves. If you follow us on social media, read our emails, or check our website, you may have noticed that we have a new way of describing our role in the effort to end ALS, that we are the drug discovery engine for ALS. But what do we mean by drug discovery engine? It means that our mission is to discover and invent new ALS treatments and work to advance those treatments into human trials and to do it over and over again until there are treatments for everyone living with ALS. Recently, our CEO and Chief Scientific Officer, Dr. Fernando Vieira, gave a presentation at one of our ALS TDI town halls to explain more about what we're doing to fulfill this mission and what it means to be the drug discovery engine for ALS. Today on Endpoints, we're featuring that presentation for anyone who wasn't able to attend or wants to learn more about ALS TDI and our research to end ALS. Um, thank you all for being here. Thanks for taking the time uh, to join us today and to learn uh, more about ALS TDI. Um, ALS TDI is a discovery engine for ALS and um, for taking the time to, to bring your own questions to me. Uh, I want this to be a conversation today uh, where we discuss the problem of ALS and the solutions uh, that need to come uh, to address everybody's needs. Um, I'm going to start uh, by framing the problem, uh, the problem of ALS. And now so many of you here on uh, this Zoom today know the problem of ALS all too well. Um, you're either living with it or somebody you love is living with it or has lived with it. Uh, so I don't really need to go into details or, or teach you about that. Um, when I'm talking today about the problem of ALS, I'm focusing instead um, on a very specific piece of the problem. And let me move this out of the way so I can see my own screen. Um, the, the piece of the problem that I want to focus on today is ALS as a complex syndrome. Um, and I think a lot of you probably know this from your own experiences with, with the disease or around the disease. ALS can present in so many different ways. Um, no two people have exactly the same experience with the disease. Uh, but there are different subsets of ways the disease can, can present itself, particularly at onset. Um, we all know that ALS, by definition, is a condition that affects both upper and lower motor neurons. So the upper motor neurons um, are the ones that uh, take up residence here in the motor cortex of the brain. And the lower motor neurons are the ones predominantly in the spinal cord. And so for a person to have ALS, you need to have signs and symptoms that are tied to pathology in both of those major regions. And so that's what we see. But when a person is first diagnosed or first starts to have symptoms, they can manifest lots of different ways. You can have a person who has primarily lower motor symptoms in their limbs. You can have a person who has primarily upper motor symptoms um, in all of their limbs as well. You could have a person who has primary bulbar onset. There are so many different ways that the disease can present such that it can even be named something else at the start of onset. It can be named progressive muscular atrophy or primary lateral sclerosis. 
But so many of these different subtypes ultimately end up, um, can often end up becoming full-blown ALS where you have both upper and motor neuron degeneration in, uh, in, in, uh, across your entire body. And so we don't have a full understanding of why this happens, why the disease manifests differently, why the disease spreads differently. It's an incredibly complex syndrome and that actually makes it really hard to measure. And something that's hard to measure is then hard to determine if you're having a beneficial effect with a therapeutic. So that's one of the challenges that we face in ALS, sort of clinical heterogeneity. Each person with the disease has different manifestation of it. When you take that problem further and actually look into um, the underlying biology of the disease, it's even more complex and variable. If we focus on only the subsets first of people with ALS who have directly inherited disease, so uh, often uh, referred to as familial ALS, we have a long list of genes which have been implicated. And this was reviewed well uh, by Taylor Brown in Cleveland in 2016. This list is actually longer than this now, but I pulled this one uh, because it actually does a good job of demonstrating or, or reporting on the functions of these various genes, which encode for specific proteins. So uh, proteins are, are the part of your biology that does kind of a job in your body. And those different proteins have these different jobs. And all of these can be mutated and ultimately get you to upper and lower motor neuron degeneration that we see in ALS that indicates that there are lots of different dominoes that can initially tip that get you to the same nexus point of neurodegeneration. But we don't really understand how those all come together. When you delve even more deeply above the genetic level to now the molecular and cellular level of the disease in the body, and you focus on neurons or Schwann cells, different cells, and oligodendrocytes, the cells that basically uh, uh, provide the insulation uh, that propagates a signal uh, through a neuron, uh, or the microglia, the immune cells of the brain and spinal cord, we see dysregulation in ALS across the board. We also see disturbances in protein quality control. We see diminished energy supply, so mitochondrial dysfunction. We see disturbances in how RNAs are processed. We see disturbances in cytoskeletal uh, function and axonal transport. So the way proteins move up and down um, uh, an axon, for example, uh, from a motor neuron. Uh, we see an incredibly challenging and complex uh, biology that we have to tackle. So where that frames the problem is, we have a devastating condition that's aggressive with neurodegeneration with unexplained variable clinical presentation, which makes it hard to measure, complex biology, which presents us with many possible targets. So a target is something you want to go after when you're developing a therapeutic. So a target could be a cell type, a target could be a gene, a target could be a protein, uh, a target could be an overall biological process. We have many, many possible targets in front of us, 
which is great because that's lots of opportunity. But it's also a challenge because it presents us with many different options on what to attack. And it also presents a challenge because different people may have differential involvement of different targets. And because it's hard to measure these things, it's hard to identify which patients would benefit from modulation of which targets. Now, where all of this leads us, though, is the obvious conclusion that we ultimately are going to need multiple treatment approaches to address ALS. No one treatment is going to address everybody's needs. So when we think about having multiple treatments that are needed to address everybody's needs, and then we look at the current clinical pipeline, what becomes obvious is that what currently exists in the clinical pipeline is not enough. And I don't say that to disparage the clinical pipeline right now. It's, in fact, it's actually as rich and as promising as it's ever been. Uh, there are a lot of really exciting therapeutics that are in development right now, and we'd love to accelerate the process of assessing those and getting those to people who could benefit from them as quickly as possible. That's very important. But there isn't a magic bullet in that pipeline right now, and there likely won't be a single one. Uh, what we have a sense of is that some of these treatments may prove to be very effective at slowing progression, but only for some people. Uh, there may be uh, really targeted approaches that could work very well for a genetic subset, but might not address sporadic ALS much at all. Um, but then we may have other therapeutics that are mildly effective and can benefit many, but they only extend life by a few months or improve quality of life on the margins. Now, again, that's not to disparage any of these things. It would be good to have more of those options because if they are stacked on top of each other, people could benefit a lot. Those are things that we want to move forward. But again, what we need to acknowledge is that what's in there isn't enough yet. So the solution is the invention and discovery of many more treatments that we need to keep going at this until everyone with ALS ultimately has the options that can slow, stop, or even reverse their disease. And that's what we are. Uh, we're designed to be the organization that'll do that. We're the drug discovery engine for ALS. Um, we do the research that's needed to feed that clinical pipeline. So that happens because right here in the lab to my right, um, we discover and invent the drugs right here. Um, when we discover and invent and identify something really, really promising, we then partner uh, that discovery with other organizations. It might be a company that advances the drug into clinical trial and also the clinics, the clinics that ultimately run those trials um, to, to advance them and get them to the people that could benefit most. And our objective is to continue to do this over and over again until ultimately there's an end of ALS. So I don't know how familiar all of you are about uh, the drug discovery and drug development process, uh, but I wanted to walk through it with you a little bit today uh, to give you a sense of how the process works and where ALS TDI fits within it. 
so I'll start right here on the left with fundamental research, or you may have heard this referred to as basic research. Uh, fundamental research is often the work that happens um, in a lot of academic labs. It's often funded in large part by the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, uh, here at least in the United States. And it works to get a better understanding of the basics of a disease. Uh, and by basics, I mean, uh, I don't mean uh, to say that as, uh, again, in a disparaging way. That means we're trying to understand the processes involved in driving the disease. Uh, so uh, this is where often exciting targets, therapeutic targets can be discovered. Once you have interesting targets, you can turn those into something called a drug screen. And that's where drug discovery happens. So you can build systems or assays uh, that are designed to reveal molecules or treatments in, in mass, in scale, um, that have potential to modulate the disease. So uh, you would basically set up a system that measures an endpoint that is interesting to you, that you believe is relevant to the disease. That might be something as simple as cell viability. So the ability of motor neurons to survive in a dish, or it might be more specific if you have a target that you believe is interesting that you want to activate or inhibit, you'll build a system that allows you to identify molecules or treatments that can inhibit or activate that particular target. But you tend to do that at some degree of scale and you weed out the molecules that have no potential at all, and you select for the hits, the molecules that are effective against those endpoints. When you have those hits, you then advance those hits into what's known as lead optimization. And this is often work that happens in animal models. Um, you can model a system in a dish, um, but uh, those cells in a dish don't have a circulatory system, they don't have lungs, they don't have a liver, they don't have kidneys, they don't tell you the other things that can go wrong. And they don't tell you if a drug gets to the central nervous system if it needs to, if it needs to get to the brain or spinal cord. So uh, ultimately, during the lead optimization stage, you want to identify a molecule that makes your animal that has a relevant disease maybe live a better and longer life in the case of ALS or has improved innervation or also at the same time demonstrating that you're hitting your specific target. And once you've used, gone through this step, you should reveal a lead molecule, a drug that you now intend to move to the clinic, but then you have to take it through the stage of IND enabling. And IND stands for investigational new drug. And IND is an investigational new drug application to a regulatory agency like the FDA. And what the FDA is looking for at this point is that you have conducted rigorous studies and built rigorous processes that allow you to turn your lead, your drug idea into an actual product that's something that can reliably move in, reliably be the same thing every time you make it and behave the same way every time you make it um, and doesn't cause 
major issues in larger animals, maybe like a pig or a primate. And then once you uh, advance from that stage, you then move into clinical trials uh, where the drug is assessed in humans. And so I wanna tell you about which pieces of this phase sit within the four walls of ALS-TDI that I'm sitting in right now. That's here. So we do the work that exists in this stage. We do some fundamental research. We do a lot of drug discovery and drug screening, and we do a lot of lead optimization. These are our core competencies. When we talk about the 25 to 30 scientists that are working at ALS-TDI, this is the work that's getting done here every single day. Where we work with partners is when we identify a lead molecule, we're never going to have primates here in this lab. We're never going to have pigs here in this lab. We're never going to have a manufacturing facility here in this lab that would enable us to do IND enabling studies. So for those types of projects, we then find partners who we work with to execute those. We project manage it um, and we pay for it and we analyze the data and we make all of the decisions, but uh, that's not done um, on site here. And then finally, um, we would partner our leads with um, maybe a for-profit entity or a larger entity that could then afford to execute the clinical trials that would happen at the hospitals, the major ALS clinics um, around um, this country and perhaps the world. So what makes us unique? Um, well, in the ALS space, uh, we are experts in preclinical ALS research. And we have, uh, myself, I've been doing it for 20 years, most of the team uh, that's doing preclinical pharmacology at ALS-TDI has been together for more than 15 years. We understand these models better than anyone, or as well, or better than anyone in the world. We're only accountable to the ALS community um, because we're a nonprofit that gives us a particular advantage, at least I view it this way. Um, we never have to cater to a profit motive. Um, nobody will ever tell us we need to change our disease indication because ALS is not lucrative enough. We get to stick on this problem until everyone's needs are met. And that's, that's uh, the third bullet. Um, we can work until a future is created where all ALS patient needs are met. Um, and that's, that's something special about this place um, that's been a driver for me uh, to never leave until we get the job done. And I think that's the case for a lot of folks at ALS TDI. And finally, we aim to be transparent. I want uh, to have an open dialogue with you about what we've done, what we've accomplished, where we are, and what we intend to accomplish, and our um, ambitious objectives. So um, this town hall is an opportunity for me to do that, um, to answer your questions, and to share more details about what we're doing in our strategy. So to that point, um, the what we've done and what we're going to do, our recent progress. Um, recently, um, drugs that we were preclinical research that we directly executed here uh, helped to advance into human trials include AT1501. That was a drug that we invented here 
um, targeting an immune molecule called CD40 ligand that has now been advanced uh, to the stage of phase two in clinical development for ALS. We're really excited about that. We also worked really hard with a company called Neuromute, um, developing a or preclinically validating a molecule that they invented um, at the time called Ni204.b, which is now uh, referred to as AP101 and is in phase one ALS clinical trial in Canada. Um, that targets misfolded SOD1, though it's not focused only on uh, familial SOD1 patients, uh, it's also looking at its application in sporadic ALS. Um, another drug that we, in, that we indirectly helped to advance into human trials is copper ATSM. We did not advance this one into the human trials ourselves, but we did independently validate published studies of copper ATSM in animal models of ALS, specifically the SOD1 mouse model. And because it was the first molecule that we were ever able to replicate a published result, um, that gave it particular weight in the ALS community, and that helped um, uh, Collaborative Medicine, Inc., uh, to advance that, to get the support needed to advance that into human clinical testing. We're excited to have uh, supported that effort, uh, even though it wasn't a direct collaboration. And finally, and what, what's really exciting to me right now are the programs that are in the lab right now that we're working hard to accelerate toward the clinic. One are type one PRMT inhibitors uh, which we discovered uh, by way of studying C9ORF72 biology and ultimately identified that PRMT inhibitors as um, therapeutic approach and PRMTs as a target. And we actually believe that the target expands beyond C9ORF72 to other types of ALS because PRMT inhibitors are directly modulating behaviors of RNA binding proteins. And so we think there's potential for that in sporadic ALS as well. And then finally, our redox metabolism modulators, which we discovered through a cell-based screen during that discovery stage uh, using induced pluripotent stem cells and have iteratively um, taken through lead optimization as we move toward identification of the lead molecule that's going to go into IND enabling studies and then move uh, toward the clinic. So ultimately our plan and our objective, my goal is to advance a new therapy into human clinical testing out of ALS TDI every two years. And I wanna do this until everyone with ALS has the effective treatments that they need. This isn't gonna happen overnight this is a plan and we have a process and team in place to execute against it. And I'm confident we can achieve this, uh, but it's gonna take some work. Ultimately, this is your lab. Um, we are a drug discovery engine that's churning every day and your support fuels our efforts. To watch a full recording of Dr. Vieira's town hall, including the question and answer session that followed this presentation, visit 
als.net slash als-town-hall. Thanks for listening.